0: Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Car sent you.
1: My name's Roger. Sarah may I be of some help? That's funny. My name's Roger. Two Rogers don't make a riot. <laughs> Roger, I have a problem. Yes. I've been in L.A. for three months now. I have money, I have taste, but I'm not on anybody's A-list, and Saturday night is the loneliest night of the week for me. Well, oh, a Ferrari would certainly change that. Perhaps. Hmm. But you know, this is the one. Yes. 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 I saw three of these parked outside the local Starbucks this morning, which tells me only one thing. There's too many self-indulgent wieners in this city with too much bloody money. Now, if I was driving a 1967 275 GTB Borcam, cam... He would not be a self-indulgent wiener, sir. He would be a connoisseur. Precisely. Champagne would fall from the heavens, doors would open, velvet robes would par. I don't have one here. However, I... You have one in the warehouse. Superb. What else do you have in the warehouse?
0: Hey, this is Wayne Carini from Chasing Classic Cars, and you're listening
2: to Nostalgic Radio and Cars.
0: Hey everybody, welcome. You are tuned into Nostalgic Video and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers in Google, Tantalk1340.com, and then Google our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Don't forget, that is our website, and check it out. Also, don't forget to like us on Facebook. Give us a big And if you missed any of our past shows, don't forget, you can go to our podcast, which is also located on our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com. And we still have some stuff on our stuffs page. We still have a few t-shirts, and we still have some decals. As a matter of fact, you know what? Cedric, how are you doing this evening? Oh, doing pretty good. You know what I'm going to do? I'll tell you what. Just for giggles, if somebody wants to give us a call here at the studio, I will sit there and announce our studio number, which is 727-441-3000. And I've got, for the first caller, nah, let's make it more interesting. Let's make the uh, 10th caller, I will give away... A free decal to My classic Car. That's the famous TV show done by one of our uh, Nostalgic Radio and Cars alumni, Dennis Gage. That's a great show, by the way, I should tell you. It's probably one of the longest-running car shows on uh, on TV. Dennis is a super guy, covers all kinds of cool stuff, and he's also into motorcycles. But anyway, so give us a call here at the studio, 727-441-3000, and you will get a free decal that says My Classic." Car. Car. How about that? Hey, we got a real busy weekend coming up. Yes, finally, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, sports fan, race car fans, everybody. We have the one show that I always talk about that everybody has to go see, and it's right here in our backyard. It's the Amelia Island Car Week. I'm going to call it that. I'm going to kind of mimic what we do out in California, which they call it the Monterey Car Week, which is a week-long motorsports automotive, complete madness. But anyway, so up at Amelia Island this weekend, March 7th, 8th, and the 9th, okay? Actually starts on the 6th, okay? So we've got what? The most important thing on Sunday, the Amelia Island Concourse, and our good friend Bill Warner puts on the most amazing car show because he truly is a car guy. This event is very, very automotive and car-oriented. It's non-political. It's just cars, cool cars, cool people. It's just a really, really neat event. On Saturday, Saturday morning, Cars and Coffee also taking place at the Ritz. Saturday at 10 o'clock, Festivals of Speed at the Omni Amelia Island Plantation Resort. And then at 1 o'clock, our good friend Mike Flynn starts his first inaugural auction the amelia island select in the omni plantation ballroom that starts at one o'clock promptly on friday our good friend david gooding has his amazing auction with some of the most outstanding and fascinating cars. There's going to be vintage Porsches, vintage BMW M1s, vintage Aston Martins, a rare 1973 Iso Grifo, Ferraris, and more. And again, for our muscle car friends, down in Bradenton Motorsports, the National Mustang Racers Association. That starts Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and we gave away a few tickets to that. Don't forget that event. That's in Bradenton Motorsports Park. I think we got something spinning on the turntable, don't we? Yeah, we do. Here we go. We do. Go. Yeah, this is kind of a cool song. This one is, uh a part of a soundtrack to the recent movie called Long Walk to Freedom. This is a U2 song. It's actually a pretty decent song. It's called Ordinary Love. Stick around. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We'll be right back.
2: The sea wants to kiss the golden shore. The sunlight warms your skin. Been lost before once to find us again. I can't fight you anymore. See, I'm fighting for the sea throws rocks together, but time leaves us polished stones. We can't fall. And I'm...
1: Jay Leno, and you're listening to my favorite, Nostalgic Radio and Cars.
0: Okay, we're back, and you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. It's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. This gentleman needs no introduction. He is second-generation car enthusiast. He runs one of the finest auction houses in the country, if not the world. He is the official auction house of the prestigious Pebble Beach Concourse, Delegance. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening the president and founder of Gooding & Company, David Gooding, David, are you there?
1: I am. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here.
0: Well, tell us a little bit about uh, David Gooding. Tell it. Give it. Give us the beginning. How did you get involved with cars? And uh, share a little bit with us you, your experiences with uh, your father and in the, in the Hera Museum in uh, Reno.
1: Sure. Okay. Well, yeah, I was born in Reno, Nevada, um, and my dad was the curator of the Hera collection. Uh, which uh, in the late 50s, 1960s, and 70s, uh, uh, well, actually into the, into the late 70s, was the uh, finest collection of cars ever ever put together. And um, my dad was the curator there in the 1960s. Uh, so I, I just grew up uh, literally in uh, automotive museums, uh, and uh, he went on to be a curator at some other automotive museums, uh, one in Cleveland, Ohio, and then the Nethercutt Collection, uh, out in California. Um, but, uh, I, I just always spent all of my time in after school, uh, in the auto museums and in the libraries of the auto museums and crawling around the cars and reading about them and studying them and, you know, literally sitting in them and, and looking at them, or we would travel to, uh, car shows or go on, uh, old car tours. And, and, you know, that was, that was my upbringing. Um, so, um, I had uh, I've loved them um I can't imagine uh, I I don't know that I had much choice but I <laughs> it's it's what I've always uh, known and loved so uh uh I did not think that I would necessarily end up uh in working in the car hobby because my my father always said you know you it's it's difficult to make a living in this business <laughs> so uh but I just I I was drawn to it so here I am,
0: when you were a child of all those wonderful cars, did you mm-hmm. had a chance to just kind of you know experience back in those days, which ones really made an impression on you?
1: Uh, huh well, um, my father um, has a real passion and extreme knowledge for uh early brass era cars from you know the teens, th- turn of the century mm-hmm. to, all the way up to you know nineteen twenty. So um that's his area of expertise and I was uh exposed to that to a great deal and have a, have a real love for those cars. Um so I you know I have very strong memories of those cars but also uh you know he uh and I in turn were he was very passionate about um, Ferraris and, and and European sports cars so um you know I have very strong memories of um ferraris and uh, jaguars and and, uh, you know significant sports and racing cars uh, from post-war era uh, as a kid Um, in fact one of my uh, you know i I guess two of my uh, earliest memories are um strother mcminn who is a great designer at the uh, art center college of design he was one of the uh, key designers there he came out and visited us in reno uh, as a lot of people did. They'd come to Harris and then they'd come stay at our house. And he was a friend of my dad's, and I remember him very clearly. It's one of my earliest memories, of him driving up uh, into our driveway in his uh, red 120 Jaguar Roadster. And I, I think I must have been about two or three years old. I, I remember just sort of crawling up to the window and saw, saw this gorgeous, curvaceous red 120 Roadster pull into the driveway, and I thought that that car just struck me with its lines and, and, and the... The sound and the look of the car—I I, just—it's a—it's a memory that um, stuck. It's stuck with me forever, and uh, uh, so that—that that definitely made an impression. Uh, also, um, Phil Hill, uh, the great world champion uh, race driver, uh, winner of Le Mans three times, he was a good friend of my dad's, and uh, he and Alma would come out also to Reno and uh, visit. And uh, I remember Phil uh, driving around. A friends, uh, Ferrari, and I rode in it a 275 GTB4, which my dad ended up buying later on, uh, and uh, unfortunately uh, had to sell years later. But uh, uh, so I have very distinct memories of being wowed by uh, Ferraris and and uh, completely smitten by those cars. But then, of course, you know, um, I learned to drive on a 1913 Mercer race about and. Uh, You know, very, very strong uh, memories of Mercer's and Thomas Flyer's American, big American, powerful performance cars from the brass era
2: wow
0: that's amazing now just to digress for a second um from what i recall when i when i was reading because i'm from northern california i'm from Marin county so we're not too far we used to go to squaw valley lake tahoe skiing all the time so your area is pretty familiar to me but um i remember reading somewhere in some of the sports car magazines back in the day was Hera the distributor for the west coast for ferrari
1: he was yeah he had a he had a company called uh modern classic motors mcm modern classic motors. And, uh, yeah, he was the West coast distributor. Of course, uh, Luigi Canetti was the East coast dis- distributor. So, um, yeah, Bill, uh, I, I think he, uh, and, and, you know, steeped Ferrari historians can, can confirm or, or correct me exactly on this, but I think when John von Neumann, um, closed his shop, Hera took over or was, was awarded the, uh, West coast distributorship and, um, uh, so he was very, uh, uh, active in the, in, in, in Ferrari, you know, active in Ferrari enthusiast and dealer. Uh, but, uh, he was quite passionate about Ferraris. There's wonderful photos of, uh, Bill Herrera and Enzo Ferrari together. And of course, Enzo Ferrari, you know, saw in Bill, uh, he was a, he was a great customer. Uh, so, uh, uh that's why, uh, Enzo was certainly focused on Bill, um, and uh bill always told a great story of um he, he had you know he was always in, interested in fast cars he had a, a early 120 jaguar and alloy 120 one of the first 120 jags delivered to the new to the country and he picked it up at the same time uh there were three cars delivered and he and clark gable and a third person i don't remember who the third was and he and clark gable showed up and and uh, Picked up their cars at Hornberg Jaguar, and so Bill was impressed with the Jaguar. But then, uh, some years later, went went from Reno to um, uh, out to Los Angeles to Von Newmans and got a, a test drive uh, in a Ferrari Tour de France, and it was driven by Richie Ginther, huh. who was a salesman at the time, and, okay, uh, and Bill, race car driver. Yeah, Bill. Yeah, Bill. Bill said, uh, "Yeah, race car driver, budding race car driver." <laughs> um, Bill was absolutely blown away. He had, you know, he'd been driving Jaguars and had a hopped up uh, Chrysler 300. And uh, the minute he rode on Moholland in the uh, TDF, he just had no idea that a car could perform and handle like that. <laughs> and um, uh, so, of course, he immediately bought the car and uh, was forever then aligned with uh, Ferrari. I mean, that was really a, a transformative uh, time for him.
0: The distributorship, was it up there in Reno or was it in Los Angeles?
1: No, it was it was in it was in Reno. It yeah, was in Reno.
0: Were you able to experience? Separate,
1: separate from the museum.
0: Separate from the museum, okay. Yeah. Did you get a chance to go over there a lot and see a lot of those cars as well with your dad?
1: Uh yeah, we did go over there on occasion. Of course my dad was much more I spent much more time at the at the uh collection. But uh yeah, we would go over to, to Modern Classic Motors and um uh you know, I, I got to know Bill Harrow, which was a great uh, thing. We we went on a couple tours together when I was a kid, and uh my dad was on them. A- actually, after he left Harrow's and was uh, working at another museum, and uh, we happened to be on a cross-country tour, and uh, I would spend a lot of time with Bill. He and I would talk about the cars in his collection. He was kind of a shy fellow, and... um uh, he didn't, you know, he didn't really like talking to a lot of the other adults, but, you know, at the time I was this nine-year-old kid that could talk endlessly about cars, which he liked or he pretended to like. And, uh, I wasn't, uh, you know, pitching him some sort of business idea, which I'm sure everybody else, <laughs>
2: huh.
1: all, you know, being that uh, the the businessman that he was, he, he was probably getting pitched ideas all the time. Uh, so he liked talking cars and we would just talk cars, uh, endlessly. So, uh. Uh, and I would tell him, uh, of course, I would point out things that were wrong with his cars that my dad had told me about that, you know, I was supposed to keep to myself, but I didn't, and he found that quite amusing.
0: Interesting. Yeah. yeah well, one of the things that I was reading on, too, is that you do um, a lot of appraisals, or you did a lot of appraisals, and, of course, eventually, as the story goes, you got involved with Christie's, and then uh, you did some work with uh, uh, RM for a while, and then eventually went on on your own. And, yep. um so why don't you give us a little background on that? And then is there a correlation between you and Rick Cole there? I mean, because I used to go to the Rick Cole auctions in Monterey, and I don't remember if you were involved in that or not.
1: No, I mean, I used to I used to attend the uh, Rick Cole auctions, and I know Rick, uh, I've known him for years. Uh, and yeah, I remember going to the auctions as a kid uh, up in Monterey, um, but uh when i was in ju- just out of college i was hired by christie's to um put on their their first ever auction at pebble beach and that was in 1990 uh and so we did uh, and i was at christie's for 11 years from uh 90 to 2001 and uh we built up the uh, myself and uh, the other colleagues i worked with built up the christie's car department and then um, I uh, had been approached by RM Auctions to run their uh, company, and so I did that for three years, and then I set up on my own here.
0: Now, when you were in college, what was your major?
1: (laughs) Economics and philosophy. Economics. (laughs)
0: Well, now, actually, those two kind of tie into what you're doing, though, today, correct?
1: Yeah, I, I guess in a way, yeah, I never would have thought of it, and I certainly, it was not by any plan or anything. It was just complete design, but, you know, certainly supply and demand are... Uh, important economic forces and 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 uh, understanding markets. Um, so yes, yeah, uh, you know, and uh, perhaps it should be it should have been uh, economics and psychology or uh, uh, economics and uh, perhaps art history. I don't know, but uh, yeah, it. Uh, I think it, I think it was my pre college um, background that that's really uh, helped me uh, define. It give me the education needed to uh, to do to do what I do now.
0: What was your first car?
1: First car? Uh, well, it's going to sound crazy. Um, there were there were two. Uh, first car, I was I borrowed my parents' uh, 1955 140 Jaguar and drove that in in high school. It was uh, by that time in totally unrestored condition pretty pretty used up condition um and uh it was my dad's at that point it is now mine when i graduated college he, he gave it to me but I, under the proviso that i had to restore it and it took me uh, 20 some years to get it restored but it's finally restored and uh back and running and i, I drive it frequently I, lo- I love that car it's it's full of memories my parents went on their honeymoon in it um, it's a it's a great car it was a car that my dad drove when he was in reno and um so that that's a and i drove it through high school uh after that in college uh i had a uh 69 vw beetle which um was a wonderful car actually and i went to school in upstate new york where it would snow a lot and uh it was a <laughs> just a great car being an air-cooled car uh with the uh engine uh, in the back of course the the weight distribution was good for snow and uh i I had a lot of good memories in, in in that VW. It was it would always start, no matter how cold it was. It would, it would always fire up and start.
0: Did you keep the Volkswagen?
1: No. I, I when I needed some money, I sold it on to uh, to a, a younger car enthusiast, and uh, I lost track of it. it. It ended up in last fellow that had it was uh, New Hampshire uh, fellow in New Hampshire, and I, I'd be surprised if the car was still around. It, it had some 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 hard East Coast winters on it by that time. So.
0: <laughs> Well, now, let's just digress just for a second. Well, let's go back to the Jaguar. And, quite, of course, you know, you have two extremes there, you know, the Jaguar sl- slash the, the VW. But your most recent auction in Scottsdale, you had the Mercedes SL, you had the Ferrari uh, GTS, or, GTS, yeah, the GTS, and yep. they were basically unrestored barn fine slash survivor cars. Now, your Jag, yep. mm-hmm. since you said it's taken you 20 years to restore the car, given today's market, yeah. and you look back in retrospect, do you wish you would have left the car alone?
1: Uh... No, it had been. It was not. Comp- it had been partially restored by my father through the years. Mm-hmm. So the original interior was not savable. It was actually. It was actually so dry. Uh, the 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 foam, the leather had turned to dust <laughs> because um, uh, the car had been just uh, over the years. The the leather had dried out so much, and uh, it had been uh, repainted a couple times. Although some of the chrome. On the car uh, is still the original chrome, and when we restored it, I didn't. I didn't make everything perfect. I left whatever, whatever was good enough. To, that was original. I left as original. So um, uh, there's still a lot of original chrome on it. There is original paint in the uh, trunk compartment, and so there's there are areas I didn't touch everything, but most of the stuff that had been most of the stuff had been touched. So it, it had to. I had no choice but to restore
0: it. Okay, so uh, but
1: if I, it, it, you know had it had it been um, in good original condition that was savable I would have I would have done it absolutely okay and in, in in a sense I did uh it is largely a restored car but uh, uh there are some surfaces which which have not been touched
0: so quasi preservation yeah okay yeah.
1: i mean a lot of it it had 110,000 miles on it and had been uh you know pretty derelict uh you know during 20 years of its life so it was kind of hard to <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's yeah okay. but uh, i i love original and preserved cars and uh, that's my great uh, passion and you know whenever possible i you know i really those are the cars that 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 I enjoy
0: the most. All right, let's talk about the the, the Mercedes, um, the SL, the Gullwing, and the and the three hundred and thirty GT or it was a three hundred and thirty GTC or three hundred and sixty five GTC. I know it was a GTC. I don't three, remember. Th- uh, three
1: hundred and thirty GTS. Oh, a yeah. GTS.
0: I'm sorry. Yeah, Spider. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. What if those were your cars and you were to yeah. advise? And then as a fellow restorer. Um well I'm gonna I'll ask you a question shortly and you can think about this, but your definition of restoration, okay, because that's always an issue that comes up. But those two particular cars, what would have you done to those cars had those been in your possession?
1: Yeah. Uh well, um the what I would do, the three hundred SL Going um had such a fabulous look and feel and character to it. I probably would have um I, I, I certainly would have gone through it mechanically, which is you know no small feat, uh, and and takes a lot of work to sympathetically go through, pull out the engine, uh, take a, take apart the suspension, check everything, rebuild you know shock absorbers, and and I'll obviously go through all the fuel system and the the entire engine and transmission and drivetrain uh, without really um, trying to make them look restored and, and trying to preserve, whenever possible, the uh, unrestored exterior surfaces, just clean them up as necessary, put in, obviously, uh, you know, rubber hoses and things like that That have, uh, or, or, or uh, rubber grommets that need replacing. Those have to be replaced uh, for functionality and safety, but, uh, uh, you know, make it look uh, as untouched as possible. And usable. Just make it usable, so the car can run and drive and be used again. Clean up the glass. I don't know if I would uh, touch the paint that much. You know. Um,
0: what about the interior? Uh,
1: the interior, uh, I would uh, patch as necessary, so you don't tear it. Uh, getting uh, in and out of the car further, you know, so you don't damage it much. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't mess that much with it. The the uh, headliner was falling down. That that's a little. I guess I'd, I'd put in some old-looking. I don't know what I'd do with the headliner. That that would be a debate. The, the headliner was literally falling down. Right. It looked a little, a little. <laughs> well, let me. A little, here's what. I, here's what. I, it would get in your get in the way of your your vision as you're right, driving. But, right. Uh, uh, I'd do something to to you know patch that up or something.
0: Okay, and then on the Ferrari, you, I'm sure you would have done the same thing and probably replaced the windshield because it was cracked, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Replace the windshield with the with the uh, period rep- replacement glass that came with the car. So it had factory uh, glass that came with the car. I would put that in, and um, uh, you know, I, I don't know whether or not I'd. It also came with a spare hood or bonnet. Um, I don't know whether I'd keep the car, the one that was on it that was damaged from the from the fire, or if I'd put the uh, the, the new replace the new old stock replacement. Uh, I'm not sure I'd have to sort of think about that.
0: Would you say that this is um, because I, I, my background in the car business is I was always a wrecking yard guy. So, you know, being in the salvage yard business, I used to come across a lot of barn finds. And that's always been my philosophy, even going back 30, 30 40 years, even when I was a kid, to just. I liked original, survivor, unmolested kind of cars. People tend to kind of frown on it. But now it seems like it's not a phenomenon. It's just that people are just finally getting it. Now, having been in the industry, and I'm sure you can concur with this, and you don't see it so much with the with the stuff that you deal with, your exotics and your high lines and your Ferraris and your Maseratis, but you do see a lot, let's just say, the, the muscle cars, the 68 to 72 cars, the Camaros, the Mustangs, Chevelles, Goats, and stuff like that. And a lot of those cars are reconditioned with, and I use the word "reconditioned" because they're really not restored um, with generic, you know, let's just say um, import parts. So mm-hmm. I, I really don't I, I have issue with that because that's to me is not restored or even close to it. You know, if you put it together with NOS stuff or new old stock or good use stuff and where I was going, for right. example, with the with the uh, Mercedes in the interior, I had a 61 Lincoln Continental back in the day convertible. And it was presidential black, black leather interior, black top, very nice car, 63,000 original mile car, one owner. So what I did is, because I'm here in Clearwater, Chris Dunn is a real good friend of mine at Lincoln Land, and I went over to Chris and I said, I need to replace this driver's seat because it's, it's edgy. So we went over, we took another seat that he had of another car, took the upholstery out of that seat, and then I had that stitched into mine, and, and you could never tell. It l- it was all totally period correct. So I concur with everything you're saying, and I believe that, and I, and I truly believe that that, to me, and I think a lot of collectors, is probably more valuable than a restored car because – it's restored it's been taken apart yeah you
1: know? yeah it's sympathetically restored and 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 um, yeah absolutely and you know it, it, there are different the, different p- people feel different ways and it, it kind of depends on um, uh each surface each part of the car uh you know condition but some people feel that you know if you're replacing that that that's part of the car's history and then you're sort of mm-hmm. pulling the car's history I, I don't know that I'd go that far but I certainly think you're, you, you know, yeah, you're going in the right direction, and, and uh, uh, you know, just to just to replace it with something new is, um, it's just, it's you know, it's not as interesting, it's not factory correct, and it's not as, it just doesn't have the soul, you know, something that has uh, exactly. age to it, and that was, you know, built by the factory, has a a soul and an age to it that uh, matches the rest of the car and uh, is correct so yeah that's um, you meant uh, you you, know, whenever possible that's what we try to do when we see when we see cars that are preserved and have something uh missing you know try to find a period correct part that has the sort of same texture to to not to you know not to to uh deceive anybody but just so it all matches and 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 has a, a the correct soul for the car
0: exactly now referencing soul um recently i had garth and i had charlie ross on my show i asked this question of garth i want to ask you this because i know he's a car guy you're a car guy i'm a car guy and you're referencing soul and i asked garth the question if you're near these cars that have kind of like been around for a long time unmolested do they kind of talk to you do you have a do you experience something we're talking and i'm I'm, and i mean this genuinely it's just like you have this relationship with the car only a car person can kind of relate to this so, therefore, I'm saying to you, do you experience that as well?
1: Absolutely. Sure. Okay. And, and, and most definitely, of course. Uh, you know, uh, and, you know, I, it tends to be more with unrestored cars than with restored cars. But I don't mean to just say that, you know, the only thing I like is uh, unrestored cars. Uh, you know, a car that is, has an unbelievable restoration uh uh you know to a certain level that can also really you know speak to 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 me um so uh or you know just a purely exciting car with a can be in any condition mm-hmm. you know i um uh ferrari testarossa of any form speaks to me
2: okay <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yeah
1: it, it can be the worst one in the world it's still it's still interesting absolutely Very interesting. Uh, and speaks volumes. So, um, uh, y- you know, yes, most definitely. But but the cars, you know, you find that um, I find that 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 you know these cars that have great patina and and um, uh, obvious history just in their condition before you even really fire them up or or go for a ride in them, you just walk up to them and you can see that there's layers of paint and history and different, you know, you can see that there's been human history and and and, and a whole bunch of history that has happened with this car before you even open it up. You, those are the cars that definitely have uh, uh, a lot of meaning and gravity.
0: It's almost like going to the SBCA and you pick up a poor little sheltered animal. Would that be kind of like the same analogy in a way?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely.
0: Now, what do you say to your clients? Because you've had some outstanding cars. I mean, for example, that 250 um, California Spider. And i got to ask you a quick question. I always refer to them as the 250 Spiders. Are they all referred to as California Spiders? Or also, or in other words, are all 250s Californias or not?
1: Uh, well, I think the, technically the the factory called them 250 Spider Californias. Okay. But the the world is sort of the, the regular nomenclature has been uh, California Spider. Okay. Uh, and um, so uh, that's sort of what uh, fashion has become. Uh, it, everybody refers to them as California spiders, even though I think technically they were called Spider Californias.
0: Okay, but uh, that car was absolutely stunning. I mean, it was it was it was truly over restored. So is that the expectation today that is really commanding these unbelievable prices?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that uh, sometimes, you know, certainly there are those people that just have a, a real thirst and quest for uh, perfect cars, and, and it's, you know, I get it. There, there's an example of that that car, uh, the paint on it, the interior, the uh, uh, everything, the presentation about it was was better than it was new, and um, you know, it deserved it. It's an incredible car, and so. You know, it was actually it's the way the factory finished it. You know, they would not have done the paint as well. The the body, the panel fit would not have been as nice as uh, as that as it is now. And um, it's such a beautiful, artful uh, coach-built car that it that it, it actually it's you know it was nice to see it done that way. So. Uh yeah, definitely there are clients that uh desire that, that that have a real appreciation for that and value that.
0: Do you have cars in your own collection besides uh the family heirloom Jaguar?
1: Yeah, uh we have a uh 14 Rolls-Royce uh that my my wife and my kids uh share and we we all uh we we did a rally in that uh uh last year last summer we drove uh uh 1100 miles in 16 days in that car. Uh, through the Alps and the Dolomites, and it was a
0: great oh, wow. experience,
1: yeah, in a 1914 car. It was an unbelievable experience.
0: So you took the car to Suturl, to to Europe, to northern Italy there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Italy and Vienna and, and uh, yeah. And, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, Austria, yeah.
0: How and about uh, sports cars? Have you ever done a Mille Mille or anything like that?
1: Uh, I have. I don't have a Milla Milla el eligible. Well, I guess the 140 could be eligible for it, but I don't have a, a, r- a real sports racer. Uh, I have done it, and it, what an what an exciting event! Great, great event. Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've done the Millimilia, I've done the Colorado Grand in in other people's cars, and what a treat! I mean, it's just a fantastic uh, experience. Wow! You know, it, and these these events are are great, and there's so much. Um, people really uh, talk a lot about them. But I, I often say, you know, so much, these cars can be just as much fun or as rewarding to just hop in and go for a Sunday drive or just, you know, I'll occasionally drive a car to work and uh, back home and or I'll pick the kids up from school in a, in a car. And, and And that can be just as much fun. And that's Sometimes it's those spur-of-the-moment uh, drives that are, and they, they can be short drives that are, uh, that have just as much weight or build as many memories as, uh, and it's good for the cars as well, uh, than, you know, shipping your car halfway around the world and doing some uh, monumental thousand-mile event in three days. That's, you know, n- nothing wrong with that. Those are great, too. But, you know, I I, I often say to people, you know, just, just take them out. Just, you know, drive them, drive them on the weekend, drive them on the driving during the week if you can, you know.
0: I because- was, it's interesting that you meant that mentioned that because uh, this past weekend I was at uh, Boca Grand, the Boca Grand Concourse, and I was mm-hmm. talking to a number of people down there, and I think the term that the one guy used is kind of a cliche, and it's like, oh, yeah, well, these are the cars that we drive to the restaurant. And, of course, now, given the Palm Beach area, but I thought that was kind of neat that they actually drive their cars, even though they're short distances and stuff like that. I commend people that take their Ferraris, their Lamborghinis, or Maseratis, or vintage Rolls Royces in, in the, to these events and drive them around and, and, and enjoy them and experience them. So they're not just a commodity, you know, an investment or something like that. They're actually, you know, part of their, an integral part of their life.
1: Absolutely. No, I mean, that's, you know, I I, I think it's uh, really important uh, to do that. Number one, it's good for the good for the car, but it's also very good and rewarding for the owner. That's how you get to know the, the car and its quirks and its unusual, you know, the starting procedures and how it likes to warm up and when it's, you know, it, that's when it really comes alive is when you, you know, experience it again and again and you really realize and it takes, you know, it takes some repetition. Sometimes you get in a great car and you drive it and you go, you know, this is, you know, okay, it's it's, it's, it's nice, it's uneventful, and it doesn't really, it's not until after you experience a few times that you really r- realize what a great car it is. You know, a case in point is a 300 SL uh, or, a, or a Silver Ghost Rolls-Royce. They do things so well and they are so advanced for their time that, that you tend to think of them, as kind of initially when you drive them as well geez, you know what's all the fuss about these are these are uh, you know they, it stops it goes it runs smoothly it's you know and then when you really exercise them and really spend some time and then think about how advanced they were and and what they are relative to other cars of their period then it really begin you really begin to have a respect for how great a car they are and uh, uh it, you know that's uh that's what helps you put it in perspective. Is, are just these uh, uh, repeat introductions you get with with cars and, and driving them uh, on multiple occasions, whether it be on a long-term event or just out to dinner, as you say, is is uh, is what's uh, what's good. You know, and what 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 I find a, a lot of fun.
0: Do you uh, tinker with your cars a lot, a little bit? I mean, are you kind of mechanical, somewhat? I mean.
1: Uh, you know uh, not as much as I'd like to i, I don't get the time to mm-hmm. I, I i have a um uh, i have a, enough of a knowledge to be uh, dangerous. I can take things apart really quickly okay <laughs> <laughs> let's I can, talk. I'm really good at taking things apart, but uh, yeah, getting them back together i mean, c- certainly i can on the older cars um, uh, I've spent enough time around early cars to really understand and work on them um, and they're a little more uh, rudimentary but uh, uh, you know I yeah I can I can you know, if I get stuck on the side of the road I can I can generally figure some things out um, but uh, I'm not gonna go out and race prep a, a 907 Porsche or anything like that but uh, <laughs> okay I have great respect for um, uh, you know I I have some mechanical understanding and I, I, I you know I really I'm fascinated by it and have a great appreciation for it, but um, uh, I'm not a trained mechanic. So, okay. Um,
0: have you ever done any vintage racing? Uh,
1: a little bit, a uh, little bit at uh, Laguna. Um, you know, just uh, driving around. Yeah, uh, raced uh, a little bit over in Europe, um, but nothing, nothing serious.
0: Okay. I asked you earlier about um, your interpretation of the word restoration. So I'm just curious if you would uh, just share your thoughts on that your what you perceive and kind of the consensus maybe of what the word definite the word restoration really mean and probably should mean.
1: Yeah.
2: Hmm. Uh
1: well, I think a goal in a restoration should be um to always always restore a a car to as authentic um uh Authentically, as it would have been uh, delivered, new, uh, or uh, you know, it depends on what you're starting with. Um, uh, but but I think it's I, I think it's very important to restore it to um, you know period correct um, specifications. However, if something has been with the car for many years, you know, a modification that happened when it was six months old or a year old that the first owner put on a, you know, a strange mirror or added a different kind of tweak to the engine and something.
0: A period modification, in other words. Yeah,
1: a period modification that the car has been known for Mm -hmm. for a number of years. I think it's important not to erase that. Okay. You know, that's where maybe I differ from a lot of other um, uh, restorers and and judges. Uh, I think a lot of people... Just say, well, it's got to be as factory delivered. You know, it, 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 that that car that you know that car had a, a mirror added by the first owner uh, or the dealer or something. that's pull that off. That was not a factory specified uh, delivery, so let's you know that should be pulled off and this and that and da da da. Or the first owner, when he bought it, he repainted it a different color. And you know, to me, I think all of that um, is part of a car's history. So. Uh, I, I think when restoring, you have to take all of that into consideration. And uh, you know, uh, I'm you know, if something doesn't need to be restored, why touch it? If there's a surface that's uh, in great surviving condition, you know, uh, even though it doesn't match, I'm kind of I lean toward leave it alone. You know, now that not every concord is going to agree with that, but you know if and if you're going if you're going to win you know uh first prize if you're shooting for uh, you know the trophies at the Concours then then that's the, the, then you're going to you're going to have a conflict there but uh you know i i spent a lot of money on restoring my jaguar more than the car is probably worth uh but and i haven't taken it to a jaguar club Concours because it's not going to win against other cars because it's got Mismatched chrome. Some of the chrome's redone. Some of it's original. Uh, some of the paints redone. Some of it's original. It's it's you know they rip it apart. Um, it, you know it's it's it doesn't all match, but. To me, that's
0: fine. Well, it's like, for example, your car. Let's just say, for example, back in the day, your dad would have put an S head on there, you know, and changed the carburetors, a few things like that. But that was a that would have been a period correct modification, you know. Or if you had an Austin Healey, you would have put a, you know, you would have put an M head on it. You would have changed that. Or if you had a three fifty six, you would have gone from a normal to a super. So I I agree with you that if it is a period correct mod, that would have been, you know, let's just say socially acceptable, you know, back in the day. Then leave that alone, and that's that's fine.
1: If it can be documented, and it was, you know, on the car for the majority of its life, Mm -hmm. definitely uh, I would. I would, you know, why? Who are we to pull it back and say no? It should be, uh, uh, you know, we should recorrect it. You know, I, I hate seeing cars that have, you know, survived one way for the majority of their life, and then they're, you know, put back to the way they were for, you know, two months.
0: Mm-hmm. I can I can see the struggle you have to deal with here sometimes you know because you've you've got people on both sides and you've got to kind of be totally neutral but you know I mean as an appraiser you know somebody that's got to be objective I can see you know and and you know you can share this thought with everybody and and people can kind of get it let's talk a little bit about Gooding there's an auction coming up here March seventh. Okay, at Amelia Island. So let's talk a little bit about that, and I guess this is your fifth year at Amelia, correct?
1: Yeah, it is our fifth year at Amelia Island. And And uh, your 10-year anniversary also,
0: right? Or was that last year?
1: Uh, Last year was our 10-year anniversary uh, for the company, yeah. Okay. We're now in our 11th year, and uh, it's flown by. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we can't believe that uh, uh, our Amelia – Sale has grown uh, so much, and uh, we have the best offering we've we've ever had We have nearly ninety cars uh, you know I mean just incredible stuff from uh, nine o seven daytona winning Porsche, one of the most significant sports racing Porsches of all time uh, this very car it was the first Porsche to win an overall endurance race and you know, that statement in and of itself is, is quite a big statement. I mean, that's what Porsche is known for, and this is the, the car that first did it. So um, uh, it's a really significant car and, and, and quite a beautiful car as well and, and very rare. So we're excited excited about that. We've got all kinds of uh, fantastic uh, other cars as well, other Porsches, an RSK, uh, fantastic Rolls-Royce, a Henley Roadster, which is uh, a super rare and unusual, desirable Phantom II uh, from the 1930s. Uh, we have a... If you're into unrestored cars, as I can tell you are, mm-hmm. we have a wonderful 250 Europa Ferrari that is just spectacular. It's got its original paint, most of its original paint, all original chrome, total original interior. Just, just gorgeous. It's just gorgeous, and the, you know, it's one of the most original Ferraris I've ever seen. Period. Anywhere and. Um, uh, you know, you see the the way that the car, the door fit and the panel fit on this car. And it's, <laughs> you know, they, the the saying that you often hear, well, restored cars are never as good as the original. It, it has a feeling and a, and a tightness about it that, you know, not to take away from re- restored cars because so many restorers do a great job, but there's just something, this car has a panel fit that I have not seen ever on a, another Ferrari. The, uh,
0: Incredible. was, is, is 55, is that the first year for the
1: 250? Uh, uh 54, actually. 54,
0: okay. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: You've it's got a 507 early. BMW, I see you got a... Yeah,
1: we have a whole fantastic collection of BMWs. Uh, of course, the 507 is the, the star, uh, but, uh, there are, uh, 18 BMWs and, um, uh, wide range of everything from Setas to, uh, an M1, um, but, uh, you know... There is a mark that uh, people are quite passionate about, and it'll be interesting to see how they all do because uh, you just you just don't see you know there are a lot of um, Mercedes collections and uh, Ferrari collections and Porsche collections and Rolls Royce collections and Bentley collections, uh, but uh, BMW has such a strong following, especially with post-war cars. So it'll be really exciting to see them. You know, get their due, and 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 uh, you know, uh, there's a cadre of uh, collectors out there who are you know quite excited about bidding on these cars.
0: You have an RSK that's going up, and that car actually belonged to uh, a local collector here, uh, Mr. Kent Rawson, who was a friend of ours. And I see that's going oh, up yeah.
2: for auction. And
1: yeah, uh, yeah, spectacular car, beautiful uh, of, of all the sp- you know from the spiders that from the five fifties all the way through the RS sixty ones. Uh, to me, the RSK is the most beautiful and, and most desirable. They're just kind of the best of uh, of all. And uh, yeah, Kent Rawson had an incredible collection of Porsches, and um, this car is, is, you know, just an amazing example. Uh, got great race history uh, in period. It was owned also by uh, Dr. Bill Jackson, who had one of the premier. Uh, Porsche collections, uh, but it's but it's a you know great car, really pretty, beautifully restored, uh, very authentically restored, very original. In the sense of all of its panel work and engine, and uh, you know, it's a, it's a, one of the one of the better RSKs in the world. One of the considered one of the, the best ones there is.
0: Another car that you have, which uh, has recently really come on strong, is you've got a really nice little ESO Grifo.
1: hmm Yep. Yep. Uh, and uh, those have come on strong, and uh, they just don't you don't see them a lot uh, uh, come up on the market. So we're excited to to have that car, and it'll be uh, interesting to see what it does. Um, so yeah I mean it's uh it, you know with so many other marks bringing such uh, you know cars Ferraris bringing you know leading the charge and Porsche as well uh, bringing such big money it's uh, opening up the the floodgates for other cars like the uh, Italian American hybrids like the like the ESO uh, to come in and uh, you know people that can uh, no longer afford Ferraris can can you know play in that same arena for a much uh, lower price point.
0: The the million dollar mark is kind of like gone crazy. I mean, it's just jumped all over the place. So, uh, yeah. and, and let's use the ESO as an example. And I'll tell you another car that I've been kind of watching is, and I'm not a big fan of 308s, but I do like the 400s. Okay, I thought mm-hmm. I think those cars, and we'll talk a little bit about it if you got a minute or two, it because we got a little bit of time left. Is is uh, what you think? Might be the kind of cars that people might want to look at that are, let's just say, under hundred thousand dollars or hundred to three hundred thousand. Because there's a there's a void right there that some of these, like the Eso, for example, a couple of years ago was a fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollar car. And look at it now, three, four hundred thousand dollars. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Well, I, there are, there are, there are there are lots of cars that are still in that price range that are uh, great value. Um, uh, Many 911s uh, still fall into that price category. And, you know, what people focus on right now with uh, 911s, I think their mistake is that they focus on how much they've appreciated over the last few years. And they, they think, oh, God, I've missed the boat. And I, I still believe uh, that there's uh, a huge appreciation. They're great cars. They're going to hold their value. They're going to increase in value. Uh, as well as, you know, r- really Porsches in general, 356s as well. They're wonderful to use, great, to, you know, they're, they're, you get a good one, and they're great to drive, uh, uh, good-looking, reliable. Uh, if you need parts, uh, people to work on them, you know, I mean, it's not, there's nothing uh, too arcane or, or difficult to uh, attack with them. Um, similarly Jaguars are, are are, I think great value very different than a Porsche but uh, 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 you know we've seen a spike uh, recently in E-types I, I kind of hate to say that I saw it coming but for a long time I, I thought they were undervalued I still think a lot of the XKs are undervalued um, you know an XK 120 uh, is such a beautiful car and you know, you can buy many, uh, many very, very good cars for under $200,000, a lot of them under $100,000. So, um, uh, you know, that to me represents great value. Um, there are American cars, of, co- of course, Corvettes that uh, uh, are, are great value. But also, you know, if you uh, want to be adventurous, go, uh, go into earlier cars, the, the cars from the 20s, 30s, 40s, or you know, you can get fantastic, interesting cars with uh, great histories uh, for you know, well under uh, uh, you know, if you have a hundred thousand dollars to spend, you can you can there, there's a lot of options for you, and um, uh, the cars are uh, relatively uh, simple, and you can you know work on them. You don't need a factory trained mechanic to work on them, and um, uh, they, they're they enormously fun to drive. A lot of people look at some of the older cars and think, oh, well, you know, it doesn't go that fast, so it wouldn't be that fun and exciting. Well, you know, you drive some of these cars at 50 miles an hour, it's plenty exciting and, and uh, lots of fun and open-air motoring. And, uh, great, great value.
0: David, if you had to uh, buy one car, mm-hmm. what would it be? I know you hate that question, don't you? I hate it too when people say that. That's a tough one for any car guy.
1: Well, uh, what what's my budget?
0: Um, well, let's just say, let's just say a hundred thousand dollar car, and then if it didn't matter, if there was no budget,
1: yeah, okay. Uh, and
0: the reason I say that is because my listeners are, you know, A hundred thousand dollars is a lot of money, and I, and, sure. and 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 no disrespect to anybody, but and I'm I'm putting it in kind of rational terms, it, okay, you know,
1: because yeah, it is a lot of money. I would I would buy, uh, well. Uh, if if you want a sports car, I would buy probably a hundred thousand. You know, if you had a hundred thousand to spend, if you, and you wanted to buy a sports car, I would buy either um, uh, a Jag or a Porsche. Um, uh, you know, like a E Type Coupe uh, or a three fifty six or um, a newer nine eleven. Um, uh, depending on what you you know what eras you like and what speaks to you, but mm-hmm. you know, I always recommend to people uh you know, buy as nice a car as you can find and is the best one that you can find out there. Do your you know, do your research and, and find the, the best one out there that's been uh uh loved by somebody and and you know you can be the next uh caretaker of the car. That's uh that's the key. And if you if you you know don't want a, a sports car and you want something that uh Seats four or something. Look a little bit earlier. Buy a uh, an American car from, or you know, a British car or, or European car from the '30s or '40s or, or earlier. And there's so many uh, options out there. Um, but you know, things that pop to mind are, geez, I mean, you can you can buy a you can buy a Phantom Rolls Royce for a uh, hundred thousand dollars. I mean, these are you know cars that were built for. The, the wealthy elite uh, of the of the twenties and thirties, and you know, you can buy them for a hundred thousand dollars, and uh, uh, if you find the right one, and um, it's a tremendous car, uh, tremendous value. Now, if I had an unlimited budget, uh, I would say the Mercedes Ulanal Coupe, which is you know a priceless car. I I, I would hate to think you know, that's a fifty to eighty million or a hundred million dollar car. From the 1950s, they're they're uh, all owned by the uh, Mercedes factories. So there's you know there's no chance in, in me being able to even if I were to ever you know win the lotto and say you know knock on their door they wouldn't sell it to me. But that's what I'd that's what I'd go after. I mean there's uh, nothing nothing like that. Wow. All
0: right. In closing, why don't you go ahead and plug Amelia Island real quick and uh, let our listeners know uh, you know the game plan for you.
1: Sure. Well, um, it is March seventh, uh, Friday, March seventh, at eleven o'clock, uh, Florida time. And uh, please, I encourage everybody to go on our website. Uh, you could look at the the whole catalog, view it all online, and you can watch the auction online via webcast through our through our uh, website, which is goodinco.com. It's G-O-O-D-I-N-G-C-O.com. So, if you are not able to make it uh, to the to the auction in person, you can watch it live, and it's really it's beautifully broadcast. So it's uh, quite informative and interesting. And you know, a lot of people say, "Look, I'm not a I'm not a buyer, so therefore I don't want to necessarily attend the auction or watch." I said, "You know, look, if you're interested in cars, you can just watch, uh, see the cars in motion, see the see people enjoying the cars, hear the cars." listen to the descriptions of them, and uh, actually watch, you know, in real time the market speaking, whether, you know, you, you see what, uh, uh, what's really going on in the market in real time. So uh, I always find that fascinating.
0: Interesting. Well, David, I want to thank you very much for taking some time out. I know you're very busy. you got to get set up for Amelia here this week, and yeah. uh, I look forward to seeing you there. I will be there. I will tell you that I had the honor of covering your auction for Sports Car Market two years ago during the, when you had the Drendel collection, Oh yeah, that was exciting. And I will tell all my listeners that truthfully, and I mean this sincerely, Gooding and Company has, without a doubt, probably the finest auction in the United States. I've never seen anything else outside of the United States in terms of auction, but David, you do a, an excellent job, and Janelle's a Sweetheart, and Charlie Ross, one of the best auctioneers I've ever heard. <laughs> Utterly amusing. And Garth, and the rest of the guys you got working there, you got a great team.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Well, I, it was a real pleasure uh, speaking with you. I enjoyed being on the program and uh, look forward to seeing you in Amelia Island.
0: Well, thank you. I enjoyed the conversation a lot. I thought it was a lot of fun. And uh, most certainly, we will see you at Amelia. Okay, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgic Video on Cars. Don't forget, check out our website, GulfStreetMotorsports.com. If you've missed any of our past shows, you can visit our podcast, Nostalgic Video on Cars. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. And don't forget to tell all your friends to tune into Nostalgic Video Cars every Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. for the most fascinating and legendary names in motorsports. And I want to see everybody at some of these shows this weekend. I want to see everybody either at the National Mustang Racers Association at Bradenton Motorsports Park or Amelia Island. And meanwhile, everybody stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. I don't
1: mean to be telling tales out of school, but there's a fella in there who'll pay you $10 and you sing into his hand. Downtown Day. I'm not here to make a record, you jump cracker. It broadcast me out on the radio. WTAN, Clearwater, Tampa Bay. WDCF, Dade City, Tampa Bay.
2: WZHR, Zephyr Hills, Tampa Bay. Listen,
1: you jump cracker.